I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. We are going back to the hive for season five of The, the Connor and Smith Show. Show. All right. Yes. What's going on this time? We are talking to Daryl Brooks. Daryl! Co-frontman of the Unity Project back in our college days. Um, we're going to catch up with what he is doing with the Black Ensemble Theater of Chicago. Now he's a very big deal. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Daryl. Hey. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Perfectly. Oh, okay. I'm not too loud or crazy or nothing like that, Emma. No, you sound perfect. Oh, great, great. So do you. How are you doing? Yes. Good, my friend. Good. <laughs> this is um this is a very special episode because while Matt Connor is here with me as always, he has lost his voice. Oh no. Hey, that, hey, that, hey, hey, hey. That, but we, we have Ryan. Al <laughs> is our producer, joining us as well. What's up, Daryl? Hey, Ryan. How you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing, bro? Good to hear your voice. Good to hear you too, man. I'm so happy to, to hear all of you guys and, and listen to all the other podcasts and, and hear how wonderful everybody's doing. It's so, it's so great. It's so great. It, Thank you for doing this. This is great. Oh, thank you. And and while um, you can't hear him, Matthew is waving hello. And if he has questions, he's going to write them down for me. So. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. So, Daryl, um, you're calling us from Chicago, right? Chi-town, baby. Yes. How long have you been in Chicago now? Since 1999. So what is that? 22, 23 years? Outside? So we're hitting about the 22-year mark, I would probably say. So you still partying like it is 1999. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, I think I think we got here like in like the middle of 1999, maybe the end. I can't remember. So yes, it's 99. And so, where, where are you from originally, Daryl? I'm from Waynesboro, Virginia, which is about an hour and a half away from Winchester. Uh, hour and a half, I want to say east, maybe. I don't know. It's some. It's it's somewhere in there. Um, it's close. It's about 20 minutes away from the University of Virginia, about 15 minutes away from JMU. So, like, I have to go through JMU to get to Winchester. Matt just whispered that Hank and Kelly are also from Waynesboro. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So what happened uh, to young Daryl that made young Daryl want to go into the arts? Um, you know, that's a that's a Wow. We starting off with these questions. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, what happened with Young Daryl? You know, I just think I always was a singer. So so what I always would do um, from the time I was really, really little, um, as far as I can remember, four or five years old, talking to my father about these things, um, like I would always just walk around the house, hear a song on the radio and just sing, like just be singing. Um, and so what really happened was in elementary school, um, I actually, we had uh, this thing called special music, which was, you know, you had regular music class that would happen, um, I think it was like every Tuesday or something like that. But then on Wednesday it was special music. So that meant that it was like um, this music class that you would go to that were talented, like, you know, they considered you to be a talented, talented singer. Um, and there was this wonderful woman who, who was um, head of that. Her name was Jeanette Woodson. Um, that probably really started me uh, doing that. I remember being nine years old, and I said this in an interview that I actually did in Waynesboro not too long ago. I'll never forget, I was nine years old, and I was um, leaving uh, class uh, one day in, in, in that music class, and she told me, she said, this is what you are supposed to do. All this other stuff, you know, that, that, that people, because, you know, I mean, I was, you know, heavy into playing baseball when I was little, and you know, trying to play football, little league football, the stuff that they tried to say, you know, boys had to do. You have to remember, like, you know, I'm an old dude. I'm not, I'm not young. You know, I'm not young. I'm, you know, but I think, I think Matt might be older than me, but that'd probably be, be about it. Anyway, um, so, so. Matt's shaking his head, no, there's no way. <laughs> 
So, you know, and she told me that. And so it always stuck with me. You know what I mean? It always stuck with me. Always, always did. And, and, you know, not that I, I mean, my family was always support, supportive. My father was always supportive. Uh, my mother was always supportive. So I would, I would sign up for these talent shows and I'll never forget. I was <clears throat> about seven or eight years old and, 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 I signed up for this television show. I mean, for this talent show at at the school, Winona Elementary School. Well, I can't believe I still remember that. Um, and I uh, was a tumbler. Like I was in gymnastics or something, and I was a tumbler. And I lost. Like I absolutely lost the talent show. And I remember just bawling my eyes out and just being so upset about it. And so I, I'll never forget. Miss Woodson pulled me to the side and said, "This, this isn't what you're supposed to do." Like you are supposed to sing. And so then the next year I came and sang, what was the song? I sang, this land is your land. This land is my, literally, that's what I sang. I like literally sang it. And it wasn't the next year. It was like a couple of years later. And I sang it and sang the shit out of it. Like really sang the shit out of it. And oh, I can cuss, right? I'm you sorry. can cuss, yes. Okay, I, great. Sang the shit out of it. And I won the talent show. I'll never forget it. Like I, I won it. And like it was just like this big gold coin that I got, like that said first place on it. It wasn't even like a medal or anything. It was just like a little gold coin. Um, and so from that point on, you know, I was in like my little elementary, like uh, you know, um plays and shows and musicals and different things like that, all the way up until you know, middle school when I really started. There's a there's a community theater in Waynesboro. Um, really two. You may have heard of, of a couple of them. One of them you might have heard of, but um, there was one called Waynesboro Players, and then there's the one you might have heard of called Shin Arts. They just did a lot of stuff regionally. Um, so uh, by middle school, I was getting cast in those shows. Not just chorus parts, um, but I was getting cast in those shows. So, you know, that that really catapulted me into being able to do theater and music and just knowing that's exactly what I wanted to do. And, and was it... Uh... Was there some kind of connection to Shenandoah? I mean, like back then, the internet was around, but it was like you had to go to a, like a library or whatever. Did you mm -hmm. find Shenandoah through a mutual person or through like a pamphlet or whatever? Absolutely, Kelly Atkins, period, point blank, hands down, Kelly Atkins, period, point blank. It was uh, Kelly uh, went to Shenandoah. Uh, Hank, I think, followed not too far after that, maybe a year or so later, but I was... Um, I was a grade behind them in high school. Um, so, um, but I remember Kelly coming back and I think she saw, I was doing a sh I was doing Big River um, at another community theater um, uh, uh, called Oak Grove that was there. Um, that is there, they're still there. All these theaters are still there, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and Kelly coming and I wasn't Jim or anything. I was just, you know, I was like, you know, none such, none such. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, just, right. just chorus, um, black chorus, you know. Um, and she came and she was just like, listen, you need to come to Shenandoah. And I was like, Shenandoah? Like, you know, and literally at that point, you know, her name at that point in time, like, held weight. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, I, you know, uh, you know, Went, I mean, like got the information for Shenandoah and I applied for Shenandoah and I came and auditioned for Donna Goldstrand and Hal. Um, and then like, um, um, you know, came my senior year and then like literally I got my acceptance letter and Matt, I don't even know if you were in here, if you were there, I don't know. But, but um, what was the, the, uh, the show choir that did, but it wasn't the show choir. It was, it was, what was it that how did the, the music thing... theater ensemble? So say who one more say it one more time. Music theater ensemble. Yeah, music theater ensemble came to to Waynesboro to the high school and performed. And literally, I had gotten like my acceptance letter that week. Um, and Kelly was in that show. I can't remember um, exactly which show it was. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on that. I'm, I clearly will think of it later on in this interview, and I'll probably blurt it out. But so. But um, but yeah, and so I just remember being so ecstatic, and um, yeah, so that's that's like that's what it was. It was like Kelly Atkins, and then Hank, you know, was just backing up, like you need to be here. This is where you need to be. And so, so Daryl, just real quick, yeah, going back to you, your very first talent contest, you yes. won. No, my very first one, I lost. 
Oh, you lost. Oh, okay, all right. I, when I was a tumbler, I lost. <laughs> but then a couple of years later, I think two years later, I came and I sang and I won. Right, but the first time you sang at a talent show, you won. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you've been trying to reach that pinnacle ever since. <laughs> ever since then, I've been <laughs> trying, trying to gain gain that fame back. Absolutely. You, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh man, I love this. This is great. <laughs> but you, but you missed out on your like lucrative tumbling career. Yeah, I would have loved to see that. <laughs> you should see that shit now, though. I got cartwheels <laughs> for days. <laughs> So, so you you applied and you got into SU. You were, I think, in were you in Ryan's class? Year uh, above me, I think. Yeah, yeah, a year, a year, I think, a year above Ryan. A year before, like, yeah, I think that's. I think, Matt, if I'm not mistaken, I think I was a year behind you, right? Maybe, possibly. I was the same year as Jenny Lamb and Ben Franklin and all. Yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, what were? Um, <laughs> this is always fun to ask because the shows they picked for us to do were always so all over the map. Can you recall some of the highlights of shows that you did at Shenandoah? I didn't do shit. Like, I never got cast in shit. You hear me? Like, I got cast in... Okay, so I got cast in Gulliver's Travel. That was, like, my first um, show that I did. Thank, like, Lindy, like, you know... I mean, she loved me, though. So, like, you know what I mean? I was... She was probably extremely... She was extremely encouraging to me especially my freshman year there um and then uh good news like i did good news oh that's right yeah i was in i was in good news there other than that i shit the shows i did was all with like the unity project or singing in choir and and you know doing those things you know um you know i look back on some of that stuff and it's not that i don't think that i was talented enough to be in some of those shows but you know i mean the music theater stuff i mean it's heavy dance i wasn't and still am not like you know um dancing like that but also you know one big thing that 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 shenandoah taught me was that you know that um there is something out there for you and sometimes most of the time when you are in a system like that they're not going to pick something that is going to be good for you so you know i mean i did um um Shendo some music theater like you know what I mean I was in those shows like I was in Big River I was in um you know the Cinderella you know that season I was in Oliver like you know what I mean different things like that but you know as far as being cast in any of those shows um I didn't I did not I was always backstage I was always working doing something backstage or or something like that and I was bad at that so that's that's so amazing to me because like to, to me, I mean, this is probably backward thinking, but to me, when they hire like the SSMT crew, that is like your best of your best people. Cream of the crop, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and and then hey, to not hey. be cast in the the school year just seems like what hey. were they smoking? Hey, wait a minute! Are you trying to say I wasn't cream of the crop? I wasn't good enough to get to be an SSMT? No, you were. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You were. You were the cream of the crop. Yeah, like, yeah. But let's let's be honest. If we take a look, if we take a look at it, and and we're talking about the '90s here, and we're talking about the '90s in a system of um, um, theater and college theater that didn't look beyond uh, a lot of things. Like you know what right. I mean? Like right. so, I mean racially, like you know what I mean? Was I going to come up and all of a sudden be like, um, you know, our pad and she loves me? Even though what's call it was absolutely wonderful, but no, like he wasn't looking past any of that. You know right. what I mean? And and you take a look now and you look back and you're like, well, that's fucked up. But then it just, it was what it was. I mean, it was, who was black when I got there? It was me and Brian Mickens in that system. Nene. Nene in that system. And look, I mean, I mean, you know, we look at, at the shows that we were actually able to be in. Like, you right. know, the best dancer out of the three of us was fucking Brian Mickens. Right. God bless it. And like, you know, other than that, like, look at those, you know, like, none of us were in music theater ensemble. Um, again, that's dancing. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, certain things, um, you, you know, we kind of we kind of held our own in. And and we I mean, I found different ar artistic outlets. Um, and so that was great. But we all got cast in the SSMT. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's one of those things. It's um, yeah, the playing field was not even um, the the. The show's picked. I mean, don't even get me started on the Mikado. Okay. <laughs> I still can't believe 
like that we did that it was like as i said it was like institutionalized like forced racism um, that we all had to take part of we all got photos up thank god that we didn't have social media back then um there are photos of many of us in you know just some kind of racial drag that is just disgusting to think about but 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 something else came up. Do you have some, Ryan? Yeah, before we jump into the Unity Project. Yeah, because you know uh, that's where I'm going. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> I just wanted to ask about, as a black man in Winchester, mm-hmm. actually, you grew up in Waynesboro, so I don't know, yeah. like, did you have an issue uh, as far as the town went? In Winchester? Yeah. Are you talking about with the townies or the people that were, or the people um, on campus? Either way. You know, um... I'm I'm not one to tread lightly, so I'm just thinking. So I'm not necessarily treading lightly as I pause with this. Yeah. Um. You know, I had dealt with a lot coming from Waynesboro, um, and being somebody that is uh that love music theater in Waynesboro, Virginia, um, and being black, um, you know, I look back and then a lot of assimilations had to happen. Right. Um, and so by the time I had gotten to Winchester, um, like it was, you know, we look back at, you know, code switching all the way through, like, you know what I mean? A lot of assimilations. So, it, you know, it, it, I never really got anything there. And I mean, got anything. If I, if I felt anything from any racial aspect, I knew it and I just tossed it off because you had to. Um, we absolutely had to like, there's a lot of things that I could look back and I, you know, look back and say, you know, I knew this was racist. I knew this, this shouldn't have happened. Or I knew that this um, was an issue. Um, but I never said anything and you, you couldn't. Um, and that's the way it was. And the reason why you couldn't is because just like today, racism is, isn't something that is, should be lightly taken. Right. Um, in any way, shape or form. And, it also shouldn't um, should not be something that is blown off. So if it was um, a situation that I that I took a look and be like, you know, this is something that they could say that I was just being dramatic because I didn't get cast in, or I was just being dramatic because I didn't get to sing this song in choir. You know what I mean? Different things like that. So those issues, you know, we kind of had to bury. Um, I remember um, having a conversation with with Nene with with Jen about this. Um, like you know, there were there were real issues. I mean, there were real real issues um, there that we just shut up and just you know kind of took it. Um, and that's what it was. And it and it wasn't hardly it wasn't necessarily from um, a standpoint of like. Uh, you know, um, the students, although there was issues there from the students, but there were also issues that the biggest issues came from staff and it was just, and the teachers, and it was just mainly being looked over and you know that you were looked over because you didn't fit into this box mm-hmm. and, and that box is checked white. Right. Um, and And so you didn't get a certain thing or that there were certain things that um, that we were asked to do or asked to think or asked to sing that I know you guys weren't asked to sing in, in like juries and different things like that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we peeped all that. We peeped all that. But what are you going to say? You know, this voice teacher is making me sing this Negro spiritual and I'm going and I'm looking at, at my buddy Mike Grubbs and he's singing every music theater song in the in the world for um you know for his juries like you know what i mean i'm just kind of like okay you look at different things like that and 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 it's just and it's true um and we just used to just shut up and take it we had to i mean and then that's just that's just what it was i hope that answered the question ryan i hope i didn't go too far off tangent with that. no 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 that's great i i i've just always wondered especially uh as you were talking about the does it almost feel like a trap kind of feeling like you wanted to say something but no you you couldn't because you would felt like you would be maybe punished in some way but you, you i mean yes but you also have to understand that i come i'm coming from a place where i had to assimilate anyway 
Right, right, right. right. You know what I mean? You so it that was mindset. Right. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it was just kind of like the thing that's sad about that, though, that is really, really sad is that you coming from Waynesboro, Virginia and Waynesboro, Virginia is an absolute wonderful, wonderful place. I just want to say that. And the people are wonderful and everything. Um, but it's a little country town. When I was there, there was less than 15,000 people that lived there. And that's including the the surrounding areas. I think now it's like 22, 23. So anybody from Waynesboro listening, if I fuck that up, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, coming from there, thinking that I'm going someplace where I don't have to do that made it very disappointing when it started to happen. And it, and it happened from the beginning, you know what I mean? It, it happened from the beginning. So, you know, it was one of those things where it's just like, okay, well, I just got to keep on being who I have assimilated to, to be, which in turn probably fucked me up pretty bad uh, mentally after some years. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so like, it's one of those things, but you know, the townies and I'm sorry, anybody from Winchester, if I'm calling you townies, I'm sorry. If you're getting <laughs> we all whatever. did. We all did. You know, I knew how to deal with them anyway. Like, you know what I mean? It, like, you know, the, the townies, like Winchester, Virginia was just like Waynesboro, Virginia with the white folks there. Do you know what I mean? So you know how to handle them except for it's different. I don't know you, so I can cuss you the fuck out. I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? I don't care. You're not about to come on this campus and do nothing. You know what I mean? So now that I'm at the, what is the old post office bar we used to be? I can't remember. Right. I I remember cussing out multiple white folks for saying racial shit there all the time. And then just being like, okay, you know, and, um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it just became, you know, it was what it was. It was, it was, um, I, I was trying to think of the name of the bar. God damn. Um, I want to say post, I was post, post, post something. I, I, I think it was the old post office or something like that. I can't remember what, what the name of it was, or it was beside a post office or a post office went there after it closed or something. I don't know. I, I can't remember. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, what I wanted to get to is that, your music getting into the unity project we just spoke with randy mcfadden uh two nights ago um the lyrics so dan shore sent me um a little (laughs) dropbox so i could listen to the album again (laughs) and i used to wear that cassette tape out okay um and and your lyrics while we were all just jumping around and dancing being stupid kids at the time right listening to it as an adult and through all the things that have happened in the past 20 years, there's such a prescience of, of activism and uh, honesty in the lyrics that really hit me because I was ready to receive them. And I wasn't just kind of blindly living like a young person thinking, you know, everything's rosy, a young white person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems that in your work with the Unity Project, I know it was kind of like, everybody was collaborating on writing everything, but a lot of those lyrics seem to come from your heart and soul. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, <clears throat> that part of my life, especially um, my relationship uh, with Randy and the rest of those guys came at a time that was absolutely, it was so important um, because it gave me that out. I never had to assimilate there. Like, I, like it was like I was soul kid. Period. And I got to to sing and dance and write music and write lyrics um, that had been inside me and the thoughts that have been inside me for forever. You know what I mean about how I felt about everything, whether it was doped up on goofballs or you know different, different, you know different songs, and there was never any judgment, there was never any question, there was never any anything, and it was all that's what made Unity so so spot on and such a, a big part of our lives was that it was it was true when so many things that were at that place were were not what they seemed to be. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we would go into that jazz suite and and it was exactly what it needed to be. Right. Every time we performed, it was everything. Everything was right then and everything was, was there. Um, 
and everything was real. And I think that's what made it such a good band is that like literally when we were on the stage, we were really just our true selves. And I hope I hope that whoever else you talk to, I hope Randy or whoever else you may talk to about that felt the same way. Like, you know, it really it really was. So writing those lyrics, you know, right. Randy and I were the predominant people that wrote lyrics for the for for the Unity Project. I think uh, Smitty um, wrote. uh one of them songs shower i think i think he wrote shower but everything else we wrote um and we purposefully wrote them um what we were feeling at the time what we thought at the time what issues were happening at the time and we would put it there knowing that not necessarily would people get it now what people i mean would people get it then right then and there but we knew that if there was anything that was lasting, that at some point in time, whatever we were saying was going to be re- re- relevant to um, to the world around us. This is what we were seeing. This is what we were doing. This is what um, how we made it happen. So yeah. Yeah, at the time, you know, it was us um, up jumping around, singing these lyrics to this music. But every time, every time we sang them, it had a meaning. You know, every time we sang them, it had it had something behind it. And that's what made it so special. Yeah, I, I remember seeing you guys perform um, several times. I guess I'm thinking of the Student Center pops out in my head. Yeah, I absolutely. Was I was there for that one, man. I remember that. <laughs> and just the, the rock stars that you guys were in my eyes. Um, just living the the ska. I, we Randy was talking about the the comeback of ska that is happening right now. Yes, yes. And I was like, well, I smell a Unity Project reunion. He he joked that you know if you want to make money in the nineties, uh, do it, launching a ska band is not your ticket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just the sheer number of players. I think he said you guys had up to like eleven at one point. Man, it was we had. A full horn section. We had a DJ. Um, it was a guy named Brian at some first, and then Luke J. We got Luke J. Was John? Uh, John, you have, I forgot your last name. Fucked it up. Sorry. John um, Caruso. Yeah, John J. Yeah, John. Yeah, we. I just remember as Luke J. Yes, John Caruso. We had Lee on the drums. We had two singers. We had Sean Bus on the guitar. We had um, Dan on the bass. Like it was just outrageous like it was and everybody was so outrageously and still is just so outrageously talented yeah you know it was it was like that room like the, i mean the the only the reason only reason why i won't say the only reason why because everything ha- happens for a reason and everything runs its course right but like I, I think that like at one point in time not many people knew this but we were actually going to like um you know, whoever the vice president of the university was, uh, I can't remember. We were actually formulating a letter because we were um, asked, like, like we were thinking about, po- we were possibly doing like a East Coast tour, right? Like doing an East Coast tour. And we were asking to see if our performances would count as credit towards our degrees. Wow. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how I was getting. Like, I mean, like we played with Fighting Gravity. We played with the Two Skinny Jays. We played for like all these great rock. I mean, um, East Coast like rock and 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 ska and 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 um, we played with Sev. Do you remember Sev? Like, I don't even know if you guys remember any of these bands. Like, they were they were wonderful. And we like they were like, hey man, like we got these dates coming up. Come open up for us. Like, you know what I mean? Or you know. I mean, it was just one of those things where it was like, wow, um, this could could really, really, really take off. Like, this could really, really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I can't remember what the fuck you asked me, but you know, you taking me back, so <laughs> you, gonna, you gonna get what you get on this podcast. From that's me. fine. That's fine. No, <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's it's the SCAD band is. Ska. Yeah. Ska. Oh, Matthew is trying to speak. Can you explain what ska music is, he asks? Ska, okay. Ska music um, is a, it's a mix. Um, it's a mix. Um, there's punk ska, there's regular ska. Ska is like a mix of, it started out um, with uh, like Bob Marley. Um, it actually started before Bob Marley, but Bob Marley um, was one of the first people to really 
um, bring ska music to the forefront. And what it is, it's just a different version of reggae where the where it um, everything is on the upbeat. So it's chunk, 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 right? Okay. So that's what you got. Like, you know, instead of everything necessarily being one on two, one and two, like your hits were up on the on the on the the upbeat. So then um so um then at that point in time people started adding horns um and like then punk ska band started so you combined music so you would combine like punk music with this ska sort of reggae feel type of a music um and then you know you, it started to clean itself up a little bit so um you know it's it's a combination of music it's a combination of music um mainly like i said it i mean it, it started from reggae um and uh and just blossom from there so you know you got like bob marley and, and people like that and then you know it blossomed into the mighty mighty boss tones and 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 things like that that really really took it and cleaned it and made it something something different and like i said punk ska bands you got operation ivy um which i'm sure a lot of people uh, know them but they're like punk ska so that's what it was it's it's the feel um, of the music, um, almost. If you take a look, I guess it almost seriously goes all the way back to James Brown. I would say, James mm-hmm. Brown and the Power of the One. Like you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when it, you know, the funk, it goes back probably that far. But um, you know, Bob really, really brought it to the forefront. Um, also with his, you know, his reggae, the reggae music from you know Jamaica. Yeah, and I, with the Unity Project, we were just listening to it the other night. I really got you know the punk the ska a yeah. little bit of hip-hop yes a little bit of funk from yes. you guys like Absolutely. it was a little bit of everything and it was just it was just such a unique sound amongst so many ska bands at the time you guys had a really unique sound yeah we called it the weeb attack that's the, what we called it weeb attack the weeb attack now josh farner coined that shit i don't know what it means but it was just like we were there. And so it's like we took the culmination of so many different ska bands and just meshed them into one. So you're right. Like we were funk, punk, um, uh, uh, funk, punk, rock, ska. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's what we were. And it was such a a, a mesh. And I, Josh Farner one one time just came out and said, it, it's like it's like a weeb attack. And we were like, Josh what the fuck is a weeb attack and he was just like it's, it's this great and so then like you know we incorporated that into a song and we just called it what kind of music do you do we do you know weeb attack sky i don't know you know it's, it's all of it combined together god bless josh Farmer. yes god bless him uh um so what so after um you left su you went straight to chicago well, I went to theater four. Okay. So, um, so uh, um, went to Richmond. So I toured with theater four. And theater four, my first tour from theater four, um, I was actually on tour with um, with uh, Preddy and Nene. Um, uh-huh. And it came the sh- the yeah. So it um, the show came to Chicago. So the show came to actually um, right outside of Chicago. Um, to a big um, uh, performing arts center there. Um, and so Fred and I uh, took the van one day and just came into Chicago and just fell in love with it. Like, you know what I mean? We just fell in love with this, in, like with it. And it was early on in our tour. So then what happened is we spent the rest of our time on tour, saving money and making plans. Because when we would get back to Richmond, we were going to move to Chicago. And that's exactly what we did, 1999. I loaded up a fucking uh, U-Haul with nothing in it. Don't know why the fuck I needed a U-Haul. I had like a bed and like some sheets in like a dresser and had a U-Haul and just moved to Chicago um, and moved into a two-bedroom apartment with Preddy, Kip, Mormon, Dan Waters. Wow. And me into a two-bedroom apartment in Lincoln Park in Chicago, Illinois. Yes. Wow. And then what did you do? Like, you you get there with your U-Haul, mm-hmm. you, you get this two-bedroom apartment, and mm-hmm. you just start auditioning? Like, what happens from here? Well, so, <laughs> yes and no. So the first thing is, is that that apartment at that point in time, 
I can't imagine how much it costs now, but that two bedroom apartment at that point in time costs like sixteen hundred dollars. I can't imagine how much that apartment Holy, costs now. Yeah, that was, was a lot expensive. for then. Yeah, yeah, so right. Absolutely. In nineteen ninety nine it was like sixteen hundred dollars. Um I think I'm pretty sure between fourteen and sixteen. I know it wasn't lower than sixteen, but even fourteen was high back then. Mm-hmm. Um so uh so all of us immediately had to get jobs. Thank God I could bartend, right? So, so you know, I got started bartending at Dave and Buster's, kind of to get my um, um, feet there. And then I started bartending at a reggae bar called The Exodus at the same time. Um, and then, you know, you start auditioning. Like, you know, you go out and see what happened. What happened, though, for me, um, things were a little different just because, being black and abs- and absolutely understanding that I did not need to assimilate anymore, like literally, period, after some time, I immediately looked through the phone book to find a black theater company that I could work for. And I'm here today. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, uh, uh, you know, I found the Black Ensemble Theater. But the funny part about it is is that, um, you know, I talked to Jackie Taylor, who's the founder and executive director of the Black Ensemble, but I talked to her. And she was just like, yeah, come in. Um, do you know how to do lights? I was like, sure. I know how to, you know, hang some lights. So thank, thank you, Mac. Um, you know, I know he thought I'd never learned anything in his class, but I fucking knew how to hang lights. Um, so, um, <laughs> hang some lights, do a light hang. Absolutely. I called and literally my partner, Denise, who was the lighting designer at the time at the Black Ensemble. I mean, um, she... She called and she was just like, hey, can you be here tomorrow at noon for a light hang? Absolutely, I'll come in for a light hang. Like, literally. I'll never forget it. It was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon she called me with that. An hour later, Gordon from Theater 4 called me and said, hey, so what are you doing? I don't know, Gordon. What am I doing? He said, I had somebody drop out. The um, tour starts on Monday. He said... I will put you on a plane tomorrow, give you two grand to rearrange your life and pay you however much we got paid plus per diem um, to go on tour. I said, book me the ticket. <laughs> right? So then I went on tour for, for three months. So my first couple months in Chicago, I wasn't in Chicago. You know, um, I think. No, okay, no. By that point in time, yeah, because I went to Dave and & Buster's and I got fired from there after like four months. So yeah, so I was here for there for like four months. So so yeah, I was in Chicago for like four months and then went on tour for for three months and came back um, with like a month to spare before um, before we before two thousand. Is that you snoring right there? No, no. Listen, I have to apologize. We have two pugs. Oh yeah. They are just they they make these noises only when we're on the pub the podcast the podcast. I'm 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 down. I'm down. I just want to make sure I didn't put y'all to sleep with my motherfuckers. No, they're not even sleeping. They just sound like that. <laughs> right on. But, right on. So so when you got done with tour, did you go Maybe back? You should be used to it because you took seeds out of the house. Oh, stop it! Matt just said. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right um, on, Matt. Right on. <laughs> do you know what? How prepared me for many artistic directors who ate soup while we performed for them. Um, you know, but it, and I was like, oh, look, how nice. They're eating soup during our run through. At least they're awake. At least they're you, awake. Yeah. You know what, though? This is what I have to say about how and me. Right. God rest his soul. Yes. Period. OK, there was one point that was this technically two things. There was one point in time when I was on serious academic probation, like straight up. We about to put you the fuck out like like it's it is. And and he wasn't my I can't I cannot remember. I want to say I can't remember who my uh, counselor was at that point in time, like who who was handling me at that point in time. We had counselors. We had. Yeah. You, had, <laughs> you know. That you went to, right? <laughs> I don't know. Shit. Anyway, I can't remember, man. So, so listen to this though. For real, y'all. I was surprised as shit. Cause I had prepared everybody. Like, pops, I'm coming the fuck home. Like, like it's over. All this money that you spent is over. I'm sorry. It's over. So, you know, the head of your department had to go to these meetings, right? Had to go to this meeting. It was, and it was um the meeting with old boy who was the vice president. It was 
uh, how it was me and somebody else was in there. I can't remember who it was that was in there. And how, like, we was going over my transcripts and, you know, I mean, I would lie about a bunch of shit, but if you had, like, had me dead to rights and you had my transcripts there and you were like, boom, I was just like, well, what the fuck you want me to say? Like, I got like a 1.3 GPA. What the fuck you want me to say? How said, seriously, I'm paraphrasing, but how was just like, listen, he needs to be in my department. He deserves to be in my department. I'll take over as his counselor from that point, um, from this point on. Clearly, has he hasn't been guided um, correctly. I don't want him out of my program. This is what Hal Herman said in that meeting. That's right? so amazing. Right. The worst part about it, though, Ryan and Steve, is I didn't know how to take that. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't know how to take that. I didn't, I mean, you, I, you know, you, you, in hindsight, you look, you look and you're saying like, this dude really stuck up for me and kept me in school for however long he kept me in school at that point in time. But like, you know, at the time it was, it, you looked at him, it was just like, Oh, wow. Okay. Now just got more time to go fuck off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, <laughs> it was like, thanks Hal. Like, you know what I mean? And it was one of those, it was one of those situations, you know? So, I mean, yeah. So how ended up, but then also how set me probably, and what I mean by this is on my path of what I do today. And that's directing. And the reason why is those directing classes, even though they were bullshit, that motherfucker saw that that was my shit. Like right. literally saw, I mean, and you know, that notebook that we had to do and like, you know, the notebook we had to do in directing class and all that yeah. other stuff, you know, you, you guys remember that shit, right? Yeah, oh, totally. And he would say, if you didn't have the notebook done, then you would flunk, you know, flunk whatever semester, whatever. I never did it ever and got A's both semesters. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? It was one of those situations. I don't, I mean, you know, where he just, I guess, just, you know, thought that I had, you know, a talent or he just didn't want to see my black ass on none of his stages. So he was just like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and give you this A's for this and let's, let's, let's move on, you know? Um, shit, I can't remember what we was talking about. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I took us on that um, oh. before that, but I wanted to go back. So after you finished tour, did did you go back to the black ensemble theater? So I went. So I finished tour and I came back. So at this point in time, um, uh, I called back and I was just like, "Hey, yeah, you know, I fucked that up. Sorry. You have anything?" And at this point in time, she had written and uh, directed a show that ended up being an international hit called "The Jackie Wilson Story." I don't know if you guys know who Jackie Wilson is. Yeah, uh, Fifty Cent, your love keeps lifting me high. That dude. Yeah, um, yeah. And it ended up being um, a huge, humongous, like hit. Like it toured. Like you know. But anyway, so like it had just started, and she said, "Well, can you come and can you?" Um, can you uh, usher, just usher, volunteer usher? I said, absolutely, I'll come volunteer usher. So I volunteer ushered for that weekend. Um, and then after that weekend, she said, hey, I'm looking for somebody to work in the box office. Um, can you come work in the box office? Can you start tomorrow? I say, yeah, at $8 an hour. Wow. Right, right, right. And here I am. <laughs> here I am, like literally 21 years later. Still there. Um, yes. You, your title now is is producing managing director. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So the producing managing director. Um, so um is is complicated but not complicated. Um so in other words, it's like artistic directorship without um with way more shit to do. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, so for a salary, that is good. That is really good, but clearly not good enough for everything that has, you know, that has to be done around here. So right. yeah, so, so that's my title here. So I write shows, direct shows, pick shows. Um, but also, you know, um, there's no shows that get put up without um, you know, my approval, making sure that everything has everything to need, lighting designer, set designer, all of that stuff. Um, so I'm also like a production manager, also technically kind of, um, I, I guess would say managing director of the theater. I handle all the budgets um, for anything that goes on the stage, um, making sure that everybody has everything that they need. So it's it's one of those things where you don't want to call me artistic director because, you know, at that point in time, you have to pay me more money for doing less work. Um, <laughs> right. 
so that's what it is. Very smart businesswoman. Very so smart. you started at the bottom. Yeah. Worked your way all the way up through the years. Absolutely. And uh, reading your bio, you've written quite a few things, Daryl. Yeah, I want to get into that. Oh, yeah. I've written so, a couple of shows. <laughs> so I've, I've seen, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the internet, you never know. Mm. Um, there's a show, uh, autobiographical show kind of on uh, Sammy Davis. Josephine Baker, absolutely. Uh, Women of Soul, Men of Soul, absolutely. So tell us about your writing side because I'm really interested in, you know, you were writing with the Unity Project back mm -hmm. in college. Is was the writing thing always something, or was that like a new thing that kind of came out of you? Uh, I mean, I would probably say it was always something. Like you know what I mean? I was always writing. Um, you know, everybody. I think artistically. I'm sure we all had our little notebooks that we would write stuff in that nobody would ever see the light of day. I was listening to um, Jenny Lamb's podcast um, and that, that you guys did with Jenny Lamb, and she was talking about um, Homegrown. Um, I was mm -hmm. part of Homegrown, and the first show that we did was a show that I wrote. Um, was a late night show. was a comedy show um, called Bohemia Hits the Fan. <laughs> um, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's like, you know, once you get out of a, um, an institution or, or you get out of a box, um, which Chicago really did for me, um, and it took some time for it to happen, then you kind of break through and then you kind of, especially someplace like Chicago, Chicago is so open. Like right now I could literally write just the alphabet on a piece of paper and go rent out a theater and put it up. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's so forgiving and understanding and really wants, um, it really wants theater to thrive and, and it will thrive. You know what I mean? It will thrive. And theater here in Chicago is the best theater in the world. I mean, like I've seen theater all over, like I'm sure we all have, but nothing beats Chicago theater because it's real. Right. Even, the, even the music theater is real. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, and, and what I mean by that is a lot of times we go to theater, we go to music theater, hear the singing and the dancing. I get hired outside. Of, I get hired at theaters to take shows like Memphis, right. That have this deep meaning, but really gets looked over because it just has a lot of great singing and dancing and put every, every moment into it and make it rough and make it raw and make it make it so people feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? But uncomfortable in a way that makes you think. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, that is, man. That is Chicago theater, you know? Wow. And, and I see you've got like a couple of Jeff Award nominations as well. Like you were really, really doing some great work out there. Um, yeah, yeah, we do it. We try to make it happen. I, you know, it's, I mean, it's, I've been, I've been truly blessed. I've been truly, well, whatever you believe in, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've had a real good, good, good go these past, like, you know, especially 10 years have been absolutely wonderful. Like it's, it's been great. My career has really been great. My career has been great from the, from the beginning. I have to, I have to be honest, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, I, I struggled like everybody else, you know what I mean? But when it came, you know, artistically and me doing things artistically, Chicago was just my town. Like, you know what I mean? Like I heard no as many times and had as many doors shut in my face um, as, as everybody else. But in the end, you always knew that there was some place, there was some place that was, go that was going to grab you and grab a hold of you. And you were going to be able to perform or write or direct or do what, what, what you wanted to do. Yeah. I, I, I remember when I had my friend Jade Jones, who was moving to Chicago, asked me, is there anyone I knew that she should look up. I think I reached out to you automatically. Yep. yep. And uh, I don't know if that ever happened or they never contacted me back though. Uh, like you gave me the information, but I think, but you know, it's such a shuffle. Like things are such a stuff shuffle and you know, the business, like stuff happens extremely quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, I always like reach out to who any, anybody sends me. And then I don't, I mean, if I hear back from them, I do. And like, you know, or the person that's like, hey, did you hear from this person? Just want to make sure they're okay. You know what I mean? Um, 
you know, and people people get here and then they see they were like, oh my God, like there's a million and trillion opportunities. So yeah, I mean, you can't ever, you know, bank on anything like that. Actually, yeah, I think it's amazing. I mean, this is what I said to Randy about this is a different subject, but you know, the the fact that you guys at the college age were able to put together something of such um a high level of the unity project just blows my mind because we all know now as adults, the amount of energy it takes to even freaking connect and meet somebody. And like there's energy and creative energy and stuff that, that goes into stuff like that, that, I mean, I, you should be able to answer a damn email. There's, there's that, but <laughs> I mean, and if not, why be in the business, but Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's just uh, amazing to me. Um, what, what, you guys did back then and there's another just quick thing i want to hit in there of course in my workings at our workings in the dc theater area uh dc shares not um oh god ife butler is a frequent artist here Ife, and i know that she's like a queen in chicago she's a queen wherever she goes yes yes um, but, uh, I just, I saw, I, I think a mutual connection on LinkedIn and I was like, oh, of course he knows Ife. Hey, Ife. Yes. I love Ife. her. Ife love her to death. is absolutely, she is the best. She is just a consummate, just perfectionist performer and, and is the same person all the way around. Like we, we all aspire to be Ife and that is just like, she's just She's phenomenal. I mean, anybody, well, first of all, if anybody had anything bad to say about Ife, we would have to dot their eye. Well, she would dot their eye. Like, you right. know what I mean? She would, but, um, you know, it's, she's just, she's just a phenomenal human being. Did she host the Helen Hayes? She, many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that. Yeah. She, I would have killed to see her as Mama Rose and Gypsy a few years Listen, back. Murdered it. Murdered. I, I can only imagine. I, I just got to see, like, something she shared like a TV appearance or something um, on a talk show or something singing some, I just thought, Oh my God, would have killed to seen that. But um, hopefully she'll be doing it at many more theaters and many more towns. Cause people need to reimagine and readjust their uh, casting ideas. Cause who would not kill to see her as mama Rose? Absolutely. And that came from, I mean, that's from Porchlight. Porchlight does a lot of great things. You know, they got, you know, they, they had their issues and everybody's going to have their issues, but then, you know, they opened their eyes. Especially. <laughs> so, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, I mean, but, but they had before, like, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, I did Memphis over there and, and their artistic director, Michael Weber is great. He's wonderful. So, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, if anybody was going to do gypsy, of course they were going to ask Ife, like right. it, they had to. Right. Right. So uh, Daryl in Chicago, I mean, you have, a plethora of alumni there from Shenandoah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like just people coming through even that have been there and have left and, and all that, like you still have that, that all those connections with those people? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know, things happen. Life like, you happens. Know what I mean? the, you know, things happen. Like I did, like we did, like we were like, that was it. Like, you know, what well, we were like, the Winchester Shenandoah connection, like for years, like we're talking about for a long fucking time and things happen, you know, things happen. And then um, things happen that you look back now and you were like, oh yeah, that was fucked up. I did that. That was fucked up. You know what I mean? And Every then, day of my life. My yeah. You know, Every I day. mean, you know, but, and, 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 you know, out here you get here and then, you know, there's no hard feelings or anything, but we just moved on. Like, I think, I think that, you know, a couple like me and Jenny Lamb, awesome like you know what i mean like we i mean it's not like we talk every day or anything like that you know what i mean but like we'll send, send emails back and forth you know like professional emails and you know have conversations and send people each other people and different things like that you know other than that like you know we just you grow and you grow apart and that's what happens you know and we saw this happening way before it happened you know i mean it's all a part of growing up and that's and that's what happened when we were in um, Shenandoah, we were babies. And then when we moved to Chicago, we were babies and we remained babies. And some of us remained babies for a very long time, me included. Um, 
until we could, you know, really grow up. And then once you really grow up and open your eyes, you're like, uh, you know what? You know, I think it's better that we kind of, you know, kind of go our separate ways. And there's never any hard feelings, never anything like that. But it's, you know, you know, it is what it is. I keep in contact with like Jason Carter. You know what I mean? But, you know, he was in Chicago for for such a long time. Um, Now he's like doing wonderful things um, in um, in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, you guys remember Jason Carter? Probably? Yeah, he's, oh, yeah, totally. he's doing yeah. like psychology now, right? Yeah, something like I'll, some radio, radio psychology or something. I don't know, something like that. He got one of those one of them jobs, right? Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, but like you know, like Randy, like I, you know, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Not that I wouldn't want to, but I guess he was never here. But like you know, Preddy and Dan and you know those cats, you know. Not really, you know, not at all. Facebook is a wonderful thing. So we can like each other's comments and, you know, pictures and different things like that. You know, Kip, um, you know, uh, of course, um, wonderful. Don't keep in touch like that. But like, you know, on his birthday, we always have a conversation, you know, texting wise and different things like that, you know, different things like that. But other than that, I think is at least I have like in and I think others have just kind of you know, we kind of, kind of let it go. And we're just like, you know, we'll see what happens when we get older. Of course, I'm 40 fucking seven years old. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you kind of get set in your ways when you get older. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, Daryl, I am mindful of your time. I just want to do a few rap questions here that I ask everybody. Um, is there something that you have been binging streaming that you would like to recommend? <laughs> you mean like, uh, Shows like TV shows or or, or movies like or whatever. Yeah. yeah, whatever. What's the most like recent thing that's held your attention? I'm late. Like I'm late. So like I, I still need to watch like the final season of Ozark. Um, huh. We are well. We're caught up now, but we just watched that like the first couple of seasons like a month ago, and now we're like dying because the last part of the last season premieres I think the end of April, and I cannot oh, wow. wait. Okay, so I need to catch up. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, um, you know, I have an eight-year-old, so you know what I mean. Like, so you know, like watching all, the, but she like TikTok. Daddy Brooks. <laughs> Daddy Brooks, yes. But you know, she like TikTok is like takes up all of my time with her. Like, you know what I mean. So anytime I watch anything, we're doing TikTok. So, so I'm watching your eight-year-old child is like Matt. <laughs> Matt, 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 Matt Listen, we love our TikToks. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so like Ozark, um, I would probably say I tried, I tried my best to watch a half an episode of of that high school show. I forgot what the fuck the name of Euphoria. it is. Listen, I could only get through half an episode of it. I was like, well, I can't do this. I can't do this. Uh, <laughs> and I just couldn't. Um, <laughs> I'm so removed from all of this <laughs> at this point in my life. You know, but like, I'd hate to say, but like I spend all of my time just doing shows. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I don't have a bunch of time doing it. And then, you know, and during the pandemic, during the pandemic, I probably, that night I watched all of those shows. And I did do that. Like during the pandemic and when we couldn't go anywhere, I had to be, be back. I came back in in August of 2020, um, back to the office. But like from March to like August, that's when I really caught up on shows like you like know. 20 years of stuff you were like yeah, I this yeah, of time. yeah. <laughs> like the office the wire um like all of those shows like you know what i mean like being caught up caught up with denise um you know she was just like you need to watch the office why the fuck do i need to watch the office even now i'm asking why the fuck did i need to watch the office um for me it might have been great for other people but i'm just like you know um so best i got is ozarks that's the are best you, are you uh encanto in Kanto, yeah. <laughs> you probably watched that like a hundred times at this point. 160 times. And then I, we just watched the Red movie. What is it with the uh, Red? Turning Fox. Red. Turning Red. We just watched that one. We just watched that one the other week. Uh, are you, do you read a lot of plays then, I guess? Is that like the last thing you've like read? Um, the, the last thing that I read, actually, I had to read. Well, I guess technically, if you want to be technical about it, the last thing I had to read was The Color Purple because I directed The Color Purple in Phoenix. So technically, I hadn't read The Color Purple before then. Um, you read the novel? Huh? You read the novel? The novel and the play. And, nice. and yeah, and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, so I did that. 
then um, piano lesson, August Wilson was one of the last things because I've been trying to make sure that that um, I stay um, up to date on on August Wilson because the older you get, the more you start to understand August Wilson a whole lot more. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully one day I will uh, get an email about doing uh, one of his shows. So, you know, that's mainly what I've been doing. Other than that, just just writing and getting stuff done. So where can people um, visit the Black Ensemble Theater, donate monies, do whatever? Um, is there, what's the website? We can www.blackensemble.org. Okay. Awesome. Well, Daryl, like, let, let's please not be a stranger. I loved hearing your voice and catching up with you. I remember, I remember uh, uh, Matt is pointing to himself. He loves it too. He just oh, can't yes. speak. I love you guys. I, I don't, you know, and, and it's so, it's so crazy because I, um, Johanna, Johanna, um, was, she, was just was yeah. she did fire shut up in my bones at the, at the lyric fucking phenomenal. Right. Mind blowing. Right. Hadn't seen her in over 20 fucking years. Like it's, it was like, Oh my God, just to hear her voice and see her. And of course the only time that we can hang out was, was it yesterday, Saturday, Saturday, yesterday morning at breakfast. Like, you know what I mean? Like she was here. I was in Phoenix. Then I came back and we have a thing here called the Black Playwrights Festival that I'm directing like, you know, these five shows. And so I've been so busy. And so the only time that I could see her was for like an hour and a half before she had to leave to go to the airport. But like seeing her, like it was just absolutely wonderful. And it's the same thing. That's why I was so happy when you guys reached out. I was just like, man, it'd be great to hear their, their voices and, and talk to them. You're like, you know what I mean? And it, this has been a wonderful experience. So, I mean, thank you guys so much. Like, Matt, I wish you could talk a little better, um, you know, but we have to make sure that, that we do something. Like, I, I mean, um, of course, him, um, Dan sending you the, the Dropbox, link to, Dropbox link to the, started a whole thread and so it was one of those things where I was just like, hey, man, maybe, you know, maybe they'll ask all of us to come on at one point in time and like have a conversation with, you know, with as many of us that could come on and, and chat about the Unity Project and what it meant and what it, you know, what it what it was at some point in time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Nobody responded to that. Or, or maybe get you all in one place to have that reunion that we all want. Yeah. Right. Great. My knees are bad now, though. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. So all that oh, hopping around and shit, we're going to have to see. We got bad hips and shit now, huh? Oh, man. We are not lying. <laughs> wait, wait. Matthew's trying to say something. Hold on. Uh-huh. It sounds like Mr. Herman. <laughs> Saw the leadership role. Saw the leadership role. In Daryl. In Daryl. When he was a student. When he was a student. Which is why he stood up for you. You, oh. know, I th you know, I think that's right. I, th I think that's right. And like I said, you know, when I was there, Matt, you know, I fucked it off, Dan. Like, you know what I mean? But, you know, years looking back, you look at it and you're like, you know, yeah, he, he did. He did do that shit. That, like, he stood up for me. Like, that, like you know, I mean, in a place where you aren't sure, because everybody knows Shenandoah politics. It is what it, it is. What it, it was what it was. I don't know if it is what it is. You know, like you don't know who is for you and who stabbed you, st who was stabbing you in the back at the same time. You can trust anybody, period. Staff included or, or teachers included. So, you know, you know, you take that and you look now and you're like, you know, that old motherfucker really, really had my motherfucker back. If I mean, if he had nobody else's, he had mine in that moment, at least. You know, looking back, if there was any ulterior motives, because at that point in time, I think the only people that were that was of color in the program was me, uh, Marcus, uh, Nene and 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 Brian. You know what I mean? It didn't make a difference in that moment. He was he was a homie at that point in time. Yep. And he would be very proud of your leadership now, too. So, I, I mean, or he fall asleep. So either <laughs> are possible. <laughs> Both. Right, at the same time, he'd fall asleep with a smile. I'm so proud. <laughs> uh, I'm so uh... <laughs> All right, Daryl, we love you, and um, we will keep up with you and do the same with us, and let's let's keep tossing that balloon up into the air. All right, my friend? Absolutely, and then the next time I'm in D.C., because I come back like twice a year to visit family, man, let's, let's, let's do some lunch or some breakfast or some dinner or something at some point in time. Absolutely. Yeah, man, that'd be awesome. 
Sounds great. All right, you just let us know and we'll be there. Sounds good, guys. Good to talk to you, man. All right, good bye, Daryl. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much, Daryl. Um, we are so glad that you joined us. Your work as producing managing director at the Black Ensemble Theater of Chicago is amazing. We're so glad to have grown up with you and um, know that you're there uh, in Chicago. I, I will keep sending peeps to you when they move to Chicago. Um, and your work is extraordinary, and we're so excited to have spent time talking to you, right, Manny? Absolutely. Congratulations on so many things. Yeah, and, you know, let's keep nudging this needle to a Unity Project reunion, right? Absolutely. Um, if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an E-R. Follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram on Connor and Smith, again with an ER. Um, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It helps us out a lot. Post it where you post things. Share it where you share things. You know the deal. Um, please join the discussion on Discord. Uh, the link is in the description. Also add your late 90s songs to our Spotify playlist. The link is in the description. You can be the person who adds a song to the mixtape. Please do. I love it. Um, and yeah, it's Easter, Passover, Ramadan weekend. Lots going on. We're glad you have joined us. And we uh, look forward to more SU memories next week as well. Absolutely. Um, so we will talk to you next week. Have Bye. a beautiful weekend. Bye. Bye.